Support comes from the Wiregrass Archives at Troy University's Dothan campus, identifying and preserving historical documents and photographs for research related to the Wiregrass region. More information at troy.edu slash wiregrassarchives. From Troy Public Radio, this is In Focus, and I'm Carolyn Hutchison. The sound you're hearing is from railroad workers known as Gandhi dancers who are aligning railroad tracks, much as they did during the capital city's heyday with the Western Railway of Alabama Montgomery shops. Retired Bishop Andrew Waldo, who served the Episcopal Diocese of Upper South Carolina, joins us by Skype from St. Paul, Minnesota, to share his research into Montgomery's railroad history. He'll tell you about the Gandhi dancers, but the workers you're hearing were recorded in 1978 in Greenville, Mississippi, by folklorist Alan Lomax and his father. Bishop Andrew Waldo, thank you so much for joining us from St. Paul, Minnesota. Thank you. It's a pleasure. You're joining us by Skype today here at Troy Public Radio, and actually you're a native of Douglas, Georgia. That's South Georgia. You grew up in Montgomery. You became interested in the Western Railway of Alabama. How did that come about? It came about on a trip with our young boys. We have three young boys, and we brought them to Montgomery to visit family. And I took them up to North Court Street, where we saw the L&N engines at the maintenance facility, and we got to talking with a guy, and one of them gave our six-year-old a, a chance to actually have his hand on the throttle of a locomotive and took it really slow for a few feet. During that visit, I looked across North Court, and I saw this long building mired in brush across the street. And I thought, that looks like a building from the steam era. And of course, one thing led to another, and I learned that that was the the shops complex for the Western Railway of Alabama. And the more I learned about it, the more fascinated with it I got. This railway system served as a central important point in the city of Montgomery's historical development. How do you view that? You know, if, if we think of the railroad system in the early 20th century is kind of like the internet now. You can realize that for communication, for transportation, the railroads were it. And of course, all of the the railroads that came into Montgomery served some of the tiniest little villages across Alabama that had nothing but, say, a passenger shelter for people to be picked up and dropped off. And agricultural goods and local businesses had to ship that way. So, Maintaining the equipment was critical, and the Western Railway of Alabama, the railroad repair and maintenance shop in Montgomery, was one of the largest in the region. And so they um, made everything uh, themselves there. I mean, they had foundries for brass and, and copper. They had upholstery. They made furniture. They sometimes would completely rebuild a locomotive almost from scratch. And so they could really do anything there, pretty much. So you got so interested in this as a citizen that you took it upon yourself to contact the National Park Service. What happened then? Well, as a teaser, I I told them about the Western of Alabama shops and also about the Atlantic Ice and Coal Company right next door building and of the Jenkins Brick Company. And they thought, wow, we can do a historical 
American Engineering Record survey of these buildings for the Library of Congress, where these records were kept. So they came down and they, they appointed historians for each project and people who were architecture. They made drawings of the extant buildings of all three sites. And in the course of that, one of the people on that project was a historian. His name was Seth Brueggemann, and he began interviewing a few folks who had worked for the Western of Alabama. And so I persuaded them to come down because they thought, gosh, we can get three sites in, in one trip, one team. And yet we got out of that connections with some of the former employees of the Western of Alabama through Seth Brueggemann. Uh, and of course, I began interviewing some of those folks later and even more of them uh, a few years after that. And you collected all these oral histories. I want you to tell us ones that really struck you. Well, one was a guy named Henry Caffey, who was a Gandhi dancer, which the Gandhi company was a company that made track maintenance tools. And teams of eight or 16 track workers would have these bars and they would slide them under the track and tap them in rhythm to a song sung by another guy who was the caller. And the caller would be looking down the track at the foreman whose hand signals he translated into song. And so they, the guys on the tracks would know how far and how hard to push their, their bars to get the track aligned. It was all done by eye at that point. One of the guys I interviewed sang some of the songs for me. They're not always songs that can be publicly, uh, <laughs> but it was just beautiful and was a, a very ancient tradition in the African-American community to be singing as they worked that way. It was very powerful. And the guy who told me this story, who, when he was working the tracks, had only been able to be on the track bars. But by the time of the Civil Rights Act, after that, he became the roadmaster for the entire West Point route from Selma to Atlanta. So um, his was a story, a very inspirational story as well. Also, in your oral histories, you found that there was an engineer who took the Selma to Montgomery marchers back north after the marches. What about him? Well, he was a very interesting guy who, uh, during the steam era, was a hostler. And hostlers were the guys who would carry a steam engine from the roundhouse to its train. He would drive it over there and get it all hooked up for the road engineer who was going to take the train wherever its ultimate destination was. He had great stories about all the different steam engines. In the diesel era, he became an engineer uh, rather than just a hostler. And he told a very poignant story about becoming engineer of the train that took the marchers out of Montgomery at the end of the march. Uh, it was a controversial job to bid on among the engineers. And he said, well, I'll do it. And um, he took that job. I think you asked him about a special engine, engine number 161. What was it about that engine? Oh, in the steam years, that 161 was a really high-wheeled, 10-wheeling steam locomotive that was used for the fast locals between Montgomery and Selma and Montgomery and Atlanta. Fast starting, fast stopping. He said, oh yeah, I remember each one of them. Each one was, had its own characteristics. I said, well, tell me about the 161. He says, that girl went off like a shot of lightning every time you moved that throttle and, and she was hand fired. And I'd ask him about a freight engine and he would say, yeah, that thing was slow, but boy, could she pull. 
All right, Bishop Waldo, the Western Railway of Alabama, what do you want to see happen to that property? I have always felt that it could be a site for interpreting that history. And and I would love to see some parklands or something at this point. We had originally hoped to do a railroad museum there, and that was just too big a project. But we did manage to bring attention to the site such that it's worth for the Montgomery community to discern how to use that site in a way that preserves that memory and evokes the powerful role that the railroads played in Montgomery for so long. Bishop Waldo, thank you for joining us today. Well, it's been my pleasure, and I look forward to seeing folks on February 14th, too. Joining us by Skype from St. Paul, Minnesota, was retired Episcopal Bishop Andrew Waldo, formerly of Montgomery. A new film about the Western Railway of Alabama, Montgomery Shops, will be presented February 14th at 5.30 p.m. at Montgomery City Hall. The public is invited. Next week, we'll talk with architect Jeremiah Steger about the film. We leave you today with more of the Gandy Dancers, Railroad Workers, recorded in 1978 by folklorist Alan Lomax in Greenville, Mississippi. Thanks for joining us today for In Focus, which is now a podcast wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Carolyn Hutchison, and this is listener-supported Troy Public Radio.